Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of current and classic horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews and discussions may include spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. Today's episode of Daily Horror Habit dives into one of, if not the most infamous Stephen King film adaptation of all time, The Mist. Directed and adapted for the screen by three-time Oscar nominee Frank Darabont, The Mist follows David Drayton, played by Thomas Jane, and his son, who take refuge inside a grocery store as a strange mist engulfs their small main town. But the store quickly evolves into a prison as Cthulhu-like monsters emerge from the mist. And joining me today to delve into The Mist, but also an all-encompassing horror chat, is the drummer of Coheed and Cambria and all-around horror fanatic, Mr. Josh Eppard. Josh, welcome to the show, man. Good to be here, Jay. Thanks for having me, man. This is exciting. I've been looking forward to this all day. Me as well, yeah. And this was a uh, fantastic opportunity to kind of revisit a horror film that I feel like if you mention it to people, whether they've actually seen the whole movie or not, they know it just based off of sort of like the reputation of it. It's so funny that you say that, whether they've seen the whole film, because when I, I was kind of just thinking about The Mist today and like, because I knew we were going to talk about that as well as some other things and like, so when I first met my wife, right, we're dating, we've, we haven't known each other very long. She told me, I don't like horror movies, but she's with a guy that's got horror tattoos and whatnot. You know, I'm way into it. I said, oh my, I don't know why. Like, I don't know why I thought she'd be into this one. Maybe because it's not just like, you know, a, a straight up slasher movie. It's got some heart and brains. So we're snuggled up watching the movie. And uh, like I said, or maybe dating for two months. and. Right on the middle part, we're getting towards the end, and I know the ending that's coming up, but I think she's gonna like be in, not into it, but like feel the weight of the art and be affected by it because it's the saddest fucking ending on planet Earth. So we're snuggled up, and it's the scene in the store where they kill the army guy, the kid from the army, where like the different kind of factions of people, they blame him. He did it, the army, and they kill him. And I, you know, we're like spooning, and I hear under me. And I, I kind of peek over and I'm like, hold on. I hit pause. I'm like, if you're crying now at this point, I didn't have the heart to do the ending. And she starts bawling and she's like, I don't like seeing people get hurt. And I was like, shit, we cannot watch the end of this movie. Pause to this day, 13 years later, she's never seen the ending of the movie. Also, my daughter, she came, it was on TV once, The Mist. She comes in the room. I said, Dude, if you really want to watch it without the commercials, let's watch it. We're like an hour and 10 minutes into it. And I tell her like, hey, brace for the ending. It's it's one of the best. And in my opinion, it's one of the best endings of all time, dude. She was just like, oh, is this the movie that you wouldn't let mom watch? She stood up and walked out. Both my daughter and my wife have never seen the whole mess. Yeah, it's heartbreaking oh. to me because <laughs> I think endings that are Meanwhile, my wife Tammy will come home and show me the movie The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. I like cried for a week over that. Yeah, it's like, oh, but, you know, but right. the is the weight of the art, like the ending was so brutal and powerful that I appreciate it. I'm a big crier at movies. I'm bawling my eyes out. That doesn't, when I say I like it, I'm not saying I like what happens, but some people have a hard time kind of like right. understanding the difference, really. Uh, it's like uh, music. When I hear a song that's so sad, it makes my hair stand up and it brings tears to my eyes. I say, I love it. My wife is the kind of person she'd be like, you love but you're crying. Like she doesn't, it's hard for her to kind of connect those things. Like, meaning appreciating how the feelings that it's pulling out of me 
where she's like, oh, it hurts. I Stay away. Right. I'm not going to watch it. But Jay, are you, I'm curious. Are you a fan of The Mist? Like, what are your thoughts on The Mist? Yeah, so I love The Mist. It's one of those movies that for, I love that we get to chat about it because I've probably yeah. seen it twice, but it is one of the, for whatever reason, like just busy or watching all these other movies, but it is one of those movies that stays with you. And I really do agree with what you said. And it's difficult to explain to people why that ending is so satisfying, which sounds so backwards, right? Because <laughs> totally. it's so fucked up, but it's very satisfying in a way that I really like I think the re the way we were able to connect and to set up this uh, episode was like talking on Twitter about endings that have movies that have fucked up endings, but they're earned. And it's very different than it being it's that's why it all comes together, because it feels like it's been building to this conclusion that's shocking. But at the same time, it's earned in every single kind of direction that it takes. Yeah, right on. That's we were talking on Twitter. How we met, just so people know, is uh, we met like on Twitter. I don't know if you can meet on Twitter, but people know what I mean. Right. Um, just talking about movies and stuff. And I think you're probably yeah. more seasoned. You're more pro than I am. I'm just a fan. And I, and that's by design. I want to remain that way. I want to still enjoy a lot of actor friends, some more successful than others. But I swear, and I have a lot of producer friends. Uh, a good buddy of mine works in Hollywood and like, I don't know. If I, I feel like when it becomes your job or, or you, you kind of remove the fandom and it becomes work, some of the life gets sucked out. So it's by design that I just want to remain a fan. But it's interesting how we met just talking movies and bullshitting on Twitter. And I was like, hey, this guy's all right, man. And then specifically <laughs> this podcast, I think I wrote to you, The Mist, best ending ever, which might yeah. not be, that's arguable, but it is an ending that... If you watch that movie, you'll never forget that ending, man. I mean, it broke my heart the first time because I was invested. I think the movie's really well acted. You know, there's some corny parts here. Like whenever I show it to people, that scene with like the giant tentacle that comes in and it looks kind of dated now. Um, actually, what's funny is I have the mist playing here on the TV and that scene is coming up soon. But um, it's kind of cheesy, but I always kind of, thought it was maybe like 50s sci-fi is just that one scene and this is before we know what the mist is but i have you ever read the book did you ever read the actual stephen king story i haven't read the novella i know that darabont actually changed the ending from the novella yeah. and if anything i think stephen king is on record being like oh i wish i had done that i've read that too i've totally read that um yeah never it was so what is it a short story that's where this whole thing yeah, I think it's less than 100 pages or something like that. It was one of those um, kind of like anthology books that uh, King was writing at the time. Shit, I should read it then. I don't know why. I've read it twice, but I've never read The Mist, the short story. Yeah, I just, I never got around to it. I really should though. Maybe I'm like, not turned off. I'm a fan of Stephen King, but uh, maybe knowing that the ending is different, I don't want to like desecrate it in a way to me. Uh, right. But I should, you know, one of these days before I kick the bucket, I will read The Mist. I think it's important too, like we're leading with the ending and that's because that's kind of like what this film is known for from afar, right? I have a ton of friends who probably, they haven't sat through the whole thing, but again, like the ending is so notorious for how dark it is and how earned it is. But really what I was surprised on this rewatch was how the entire movie is so strong, right? I mean, you talk about some movies where it's like, oh, that has a killer ending or a killer opening but then perhaps other parts of the movie aren't as memorable. I found with The Mist on this rewatch, like the entire thing is so memorable, both in terms of the ending, but also in developing David's character, in developing and kind of just the commentary on the people in the town and how they change 
at the slightest inclination that something is different. Yeah. Obviously, early on, they don't know about the monsters and whatnot. They just know like, hey, there's this weird event. And you already start to see people change in a way that I think is really disturbing. And I kind of appreciate it more as an adult. Yeah, dude, totally, totally, absolutely. When I was a kid and I saw this back in, when was, was it, 07, like, I was like, oh, there's some cool monster moments in there. It's gross, it's creepy, that ending's fucked up. And that was it. Yeah. And now almost, I'm able to appreciate more the older I am, kind of just like seeing how, oh, your neighbors can turn into completely different people, or they could turn into something almost scarier than what's outside, which is like monsters. There's a lot of kind of nuanced themes that like, dude, you're way younger than me, but I feel like even me, when I saw it all those years ago, um, there were things that I missed and it's it's a great rewatch to miss. Um, I was telling you before we started recording that like when I was getting it up, I had to go through all my different services to see where I had it. But um, I bought it because it's such a great rewatch. Every couple of years, yeah. you go back to the mist and I definitely enjoy it. You know, in the climate of the country, like politically and seeing people kind of break off in different sects and, and factions and kind of, you know, this like infighting and you hit the nail on the head, dude. Um, hey, you're pretty good at this. Uh, the, <laughs> the monsters inside, the people can rival what's outside. The power of fear and fear is a motherfucker. Yeah, there's these like really kind of nuanced things in that movie. Also like really well acted in my opinion. Again, just a fan, yeah. but really well acted. You know, whenever I see, and maybe acting like music, maybe there's like a wide window, what I perceive as fake or stiff or bad acting. Maybe it lands for somebody else, but maybe not. I'm not sure that's that's spot on, but bad acting can like suck you, at least for me, right out of the story. All of a sudden, absolutely, I can see the craft service tables. I, I know there's cameras <laughs> there. Like I'm yeah. not where I wanna be and acting can do that. But what the reason I say like, maybe there's a window is, there's certain things, and I, I won't be able to come up with like a perfect example, but where people kind of, it got a Razzie or something like that, and people say the acting is horrible, and I'll watch it and be like, I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, maybe low expectations or whatever. And then other things where people say it's like brilliant, and then I watch it and I'm like, eh, I thought it was, you know, and that happens to me all the time. Most recently, now I've watched Taxi Driver before, right? I've seen the movie as a kid. I used to be like, Taxi Driver, it's the shit. I watched it and God, dude, it's so boring to me. I'm not saying it's badly acted. Hold on, let's make that clear. But Taxi Driver, and I'm just thinking about like us talking today and knowing like your knowledge about movies and you're obviously so passionate about movies. What do you think about Taxi Driver? Is that a film you're a fan of or? So I came to that in my, what was it? My probably my mid twenties, like not, not more than four years ago for the first time. And I remember sitting through that movie and looking at it and being like, I understand. It's one of those things where it's like, you almost have to try to put yourself in the shoes of fans or just people back in the day when that came out. Absolutely. I understand the reasons why this movie is so groundbreaking. I understand and I can appreciate how it's tackling this anti-hero or just straight up this vigilante that you don't, you're not really supposed to like and how it makes you uncomfortable the things he's doing and yet you're in his shoes. So, I can definitely appreciate elements of the movie. It's by far one of my least favorite um, Scorsese films. Not to say like, oh, it's bad. That's all I'm saying. Like it's, it really, and I got through it, dude, but I had to gut it out. Cause I know the movie, I've seen it before. But just my last one, you know how things kind of ebb and flow on rewatches. I've seen it, but it had been so long. I remember the big moments. I remember the violent ending. 
but God dang, was it boring. I'm on a Scorsese kick right now. I'm trying to do his whole catalog. And I, uh, I did Taxi Driver, but I think it's probably my least favorite, at least one of my least favorite films is, but it's like so celebrated. I bring it up for a reason. The Mist, I find, like, at least with people in my circle, gets kind of made fun of a lot. Like, there's people that don't like The Mist oh, wow. a lot. Yeah, like, I, I feel like I don't belong on this planet when people talk. It's just such a <laughs> great movie to me. And if you can't look past the one tentacle that, like, looks dated because it's been 50, whatever, however long it's been, um, then I don't really know what to say to you. But I'm curious if you ever run into that. Like, I have a sect of people that love it, right? I like musician friends. But then, like, regular folks, you know, common people that I hang out, nine to fivers, the mid, don't like laugh at right. me for my love in the mist. Cause I've always put it in like a top wow. 20 list and whatnot. Like it's a really powerful movie to me, but um, I kind of picture you hanging out with like uh, all other like movie critics and like movie people. What is your inner circle? What are their thoughts and feelings on the mix? Have you found any kind of common threads there? Or? A majority of my friends really dig it like us, right? There are people that are like, okay, we can look at this and we can appreciate it for, we can look past maybe some of the shoddy CGI, but even on this rewatch, I didn't think it was, I'd almost been hearing the CGI was worse than it it's actually ended up being. It's not that bad, dude, it's not that bad. There's a couple little wonky things. It's been 13, 14, when did it come out, 07? 07. Yeah, it's been a long time, man. Technology's yeah. come a long way. Somebody, I think your friends are a lot cooler than mine. I think that's what we're discovering here. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, because I, you Maybe. know. Yeah, my people, they're like, you know, they think it's wild that I'm covered in horror movies. I think it's hard for like the uninitiated to like understand uh, when things connect for you and it doesn't connect for another person, it's hard for them to understand. But I often lead with the mist. I think, oh, you're going to love the Dude, Jay, more, probably five different times. I've told people like, you have to watch this movie. And afterwards they're like, why would you make me watch that? That movie was horrible. That, dude, even looking on like Rotten Tomatoes and the reviews on Apple, like 43 people said it was rot. You think there's no redeeming qualities to The Mist? You think it's a rotten movie? Like what? That blows my mind. But to each his own, I guess we're all different birds, different feathers. Oh my God, I'm turning into my grand. I think a big part of it too is people that are not horror fans first and foremost, right? I think that in revisiting this movie, I would almost barely describe it as a monster movie, right? Because again, it's one of the things I really want to get into with you is kind of just how it really is it looking, it's a very cynical look at like people, right? And sure. I say cynical, but it's also not a um, unrealistic depiction of people and how people will react to chaos and how we get these sort of like false martyrs that rise up in times of chaos when it seems as if all law and order has kind of fallen away. And um, in terms of just like my circle of friends and stuff, it's like, yeah, we're able to appreciate it while not holding it at fault for like, again, like CGI or some of the kind of like cheesy, maybe dated moments. But in terms of like looking at it as a monster movie, like it is a monster movie, but I don't really, I wouldn't lead with that. You know what I mean? I think that's cutting, yeah. it's uh, selling it short of what its true potential is. I mean, on this last rewatch, I almost looked at it like it was a uh, like a play almost because so many of the scenes are just dialogue focused and they're sort of these handy cam shots that are close up on people having a conversation and talking about their options. And there's so much of that. And it's almost like just static scenes of conversations that really make this a more character driven than I think it gets credit for. Like a lot of the time I read online, like early 2000s for horror movies, people are always kind of like shitting on and yeah, there were bad movies in the early uh, 2000s and there were good movies. 
And I think that this is one of the ones that always comes to mind for me, at least just in terms of it being as successful at having these fucked up like Cthulhu-esque monsters, having that really awesome uh, Darabont who knows King. Like this was his third adaptation of a uh, of a King novel or novella. The others being what? Green Mile and... And Shawshank. Oh, duh, of course. Jesus, I'm I'm getting old, man. You're a lot younger than me. God, that's upsetting. And another, I have those movies posters on my wall. Those are important movies, but okay, yeah. But also, like, he also knows how to write horror as well. Like, he got his start writing, uh, night, what was it, Nightmare 3, Dream Warriors, The Blob, and The Fly 2. Like, he had written horror before. And so sure, to see yeah. him start with Shawshank, The Green Mile, he almost sort of gets that kind of, like, king vernacular, that king texture in oh, telling dude, a king totally. story. Yeah. But then he's got the horror chops to sort of back it up and really capitalize on those fucked up moments. Like, with the tentacle that you keep bringing up, it's... What, it's not just that the tentacle grabs the kid, the tentacle latches on and starts ripping chunks of flesh off, and then yeah. more tentacles come. So it's it's really awesome just to see how well-versed he is in this world to make this more than just a monster movie. And I don't keep bringing that up to like besmirch monster movies, but I think it is doing it a disservice in just being like, it's a monster movie, when in reality, it's a really well-made movie that has monsters in it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, Jay. And I, yeah, again, not to disparage at all monster movies, but yeah, man, there's kind of, there's more pulp here. There's a lot going on. And maybe there's other examples in like monster movie world. I mean, hey, I love King Kong Skull Island or whatever. I thought that was a fantastic modern monster movie. I was actually blown away by it. I loved it. Um, But yeah, The Mist is a powerful, important movie. Um, And maybe my flag in the ground, like, uh, it gets higher or harder, whatever, each time somebody kind of uh, takes away something from it. But, you know, these are like my hometown buddies that I grew up with that aren't, not, and that, that's not to knock them, man. They're just not really into movies like somebody like me or you. But um, yeah, The Mist has layers, man. It's certainly not a one note movie by any means. Uh, that tentacle scene, that got brought up to me like a bunch of times. So that, I love really? that scene. Yeah, I yeah. remember. This could be like two people, but it happened to like stick in my mind. Um, I love that scene. I remember when I first saw it and you don't know what's out there. And then you're like, oh shit. Oh my God, what the hell? Like, I mean, I had no idea. I had no knowledge. I didn't know about The Mist. I didn't go see it in its theatrical run. I uh, came out around a time that I would just buy up every DVD. Didn't really hear of it. Oh, this looks cool. Oh, I like that guy, Frank. And so I said, all right, I'll grab it. And it was really kind of like taken on a journey watching it. um, That kind of changed my life in a way, not to oversell it, but it's a movie I'm sitting here 15 years later still talking about. And, uh, you know, it's one of the more important kind of movies that stands on its own. Like whenever I get in a conversation about movies, like we end up talking about The Mist. But it is a polarizing movie, at least in my world. Sounds like it's not quite as polarizing in your world. Fair. That makes me happy, actually. But uh, yeah, that tentacle scene to me, I want to go on record, is a fine scene. I just, I don't even remember the CGI looking that, that bad. Maybe a couple little wonky moments, but that scene, uh, you just did a rewatch. I I watched it maybe two months ago, so I didn't rewatch it. But that's the first time that we're aware that something out there is not of this world, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a big, important scene. Yep. I don't know. My friends suck, Jay. That's the whole, that's <laughs> honest to God. That's dude. what that's we're the, that's what we're getting to the root of this conversation. You need yeah. new friends, Josh Shepard. That's been decided. <laughs> now, I, you know, I think when you work in like 
a creative realm. You have a really wide net. And I do, I think it might be wider than, uh, you know, a guy that uh, went to school to do this and he does this and he has his little circle of friends. Like I have such a wide net, so I get all kinds of different things. I got, you know, friends of mine that I grew up with that I honor our history that are like, you know, diehard conservative Christian, right? And it's like, you'd never think that we match up. But uh, like mm -hmm. I said, I honor that history. But yeah, hearing some of their opinions, it doesn't really jive with me. I and mean, it's a kind of culture shock for me a little bit. But I do have like a real, and just where I grew up, I live where I grew up still. So, or uh, I still live where I grew up. So I have a lot of those like old friends, but um, mm. yeah, only I have a few friends that love movies and we get to talking and they love The Mist. And I kind of, in my mind that like, it, I don't know if it's true, but they like, to me, they're kind of like your friends. They're creatives, they're, they love movies, they're into things that are off the beaten path. I mean, dude, my wife is a perfect example. She'll sit and watch movies. We just started doing, I know we're supposed to talk about The Mist and I keep bringing up other movies, but. It's all uh, good. Hey man, I, I love talking movies, so I'm game <laughs> for any uh, side tangents we want to go down. Yeah, so I'm doing like this Scorsese kick on my own, whatever, you know. And me and my wife have been watching movies and I said, oh, we should watch Django Unchained. She had never seen mm. Django Unchained. She really liked it. That movie is big, gets violent and definitely uncomfortable at times too, but she really mm -hmm. liked it. It's one of my favorite Quentin movies. Uh, we had watched Inglorious Bastards. She liked that one. I said, hey, you know what we should watch? It's not a Quentin movie, but he's in it. We should watch, watch Dusk Till Dawn. And God, mm. she hated it. She would oh. deny it. I didn't hate it, but she was just like, we actually got in an argument over this. I said, well, what don't, I want to know. Like, what don't, mm. what didn't you like about it? She went, it's weird. And that like offended me in a way. Like all, all of a sudden I was transported back to seventh grade and getting like smacked <laughs> in the back of the head by somebody like, you're weird. And I was like, that's not a good answer. Like why, what right. was weird? What didn't, she eventually said it just didn't connect for her. Like. The whole movie, I'm hooting and hollering, laughing at all the funny parts. Not a peep out of her. I could tell she was not <laughs> enjoying it. But um, Tammy, my wife, kind of embodies like this wide groups. So I get like all these really, and this is a good part of it. These different opinions and people that like would be, you know, the miss. No way, we wouldn't watch that. We're gonna go watch the piano, which I and I think you're like this too. I like all movies. Like my room yeah. is decked out in horror stuff, but across the board, I mean, I love a good romantic comedy. We just watched Crazy Stupid Love. Somehow I never saw that movie. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lovely mm. movie. And it was nice that my family could watch it because they don't like horror. Although for my <laughs> birthday, we did the whole Nightmare on Elm Street series, which was like such a treat for me. That's um, awesome. Yeah, for my daughter to like, dude, when I tried to show Maggie, my daughter, Star Wars, when she was like maybe five, six, very, very young. Again, I hear the... <laughs> We're two minutes into the movie, dude. We're like right yeah. after the text. Darth Vader made her cry. It scared her too much. It was like, oh, maybe in a couple of years, try it again in a couple of years. She just wasn't interested in it. So for them to take the time, watch the entire Nightmare series, including New Nightmare, we didn't do the remake, but- um, Yeah, understandable. Awesome. Yeah, I know, right? What, you know, here's a funny thing about that remake. And I'm like going out on a limb here. Like I understand uh, this might just be my own, theory or my own feelings, thoughts and feelings. I felt like before they were making the movie, if I was sitting in the room with the people making it, I'd have said, man, the hardest part is gonna be having like a different Freddy. And I feel like they kind of, not the look of him per se, but like, I think they cut, God, I wish they went further. He had that like Southern droll, 
this ain't gonna hurt one bit. And I thought they kind of nailed Freddie. I could have swallowed that Freddie. I could have totally got into it. It's all the other shit in the movie just didn't land for me. I'm curious, what did you think of the Nightmare remake? Yeah, I felt the same way in a lot of ways. And my issue mostly is like, I keep looking back because I only saw it the one time because I was just so like, are you a fan of the Nightmare series? Like, do you like Nightmare on Elm Street though? Yeah, yeah, I have the uh, I have the DVD box set on my, I don't know if you'll be able to see, but I've got like my movie, yeah, my movie rock stuff roll, over there. Yeah. But yeah, so I've got that throwback um, Nightmare box set. But yeah, no, and also I just want to say like with remakes, I'm all for remakes. I don't know if that jives with, uh, with the majority of horror fans. Like I'm always for them I'm making remakes more and I'm more. I'm with you, I want content, I want new movies, I'm with you. Would I take a sequel that's canon with all the, yeah, sure. But like, if it's right. gonna be a remake, I'm in, dude. I don't want it to just go away forever. Like I'm yeah. I, desperate for them to do another uh, Friday the 13th remake. And Absolutely. I thought they did a good job with the 09 one, honestly. But yeah, I'm me and my uh, friend group are huge fans of that remake. And it's one of those things where it's like, at this point, I'm the same way. I'm like, I just want content because there's so many sort of like rights issues and legal battles that are holding all these things up. And at the end of the day, though, if it means like getting another remake of a classic franchise or something and it's very different, that's cool. I'm glad they took that risk, because if I want to watch the original, I'll watch the if I want something like the original, I'll just go back and rewatch it. It was kind of like, Absolutely, dude, absolutely. I saw so many people that I'll use like the Evil Dead remake that they did as an example. People are like, well, it's not funny. Nobody's like Ash and all those things. And I was like, that's cool, man. We got three movies of that and I can revisit those classics whenever I want. Yeah, and the original Evil Dead wasn't funny. That right. the comedy came about in Evil Dead too. Did you know as a kid, when I was a young kid, I didn't know why I didn't know it was a remake. I didn't know Evil Dead 2 was like basically another shot at one. And I was like, why are they going back to the cabin? Like, oh, I had my own theories as like Ash had amnesia and he was that's but he could kind of remember this cabin. That's why he was going back and Who's this girl? Like, I didn't understand. Nobody told me. Dude, when I was a kid, there was no internet. Like, or it was in its in. No, when I was young, young, there was no internet. I had a buddy. See, I was in a band, so I had older friends. When I'm in middle school, I had these high school friends that worked at the video stores, and they just let me come in and pillage, take rent, whatever I wanted. So I'd just grab all the horror movies. Cool cover, I'll grab it. Uh, and no one, like, explain. I knew no facts about it. I didn't know who anybody was. I knew none of the storylines, like, behind it. Um, it was just me and my little group of friends. I'm still friends with them to this day. They don't love movies like I do anymore. But And we would just kind of watch horror movies. But, yeah, I never could understand why in Evil Dead 2 he went back. But 2 is where the comedy, I mean, 1 has funny moments, like, they cut off the chick's arm and, like, blood, 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 and then it's just, like, paint comes out, like, all kinds right. of... You might laugh at that, but I wouldn't call it comedy. The funniness. I did. What did you think of the Evil Dead remake? Did you like it? Yeah, I loved it because it it had just enough nods that you're like, okay, yes, this is justified in uttering the Evil Dead name, right? And it's got sort of the staple landmarks, but then it just leads into, or it leans more into just being dark and brutal and fucked up. And at to a certain point, I would almost say like there are nods to the humor, right? I mean, the movie ends with blood raining from the sky much to the same way like when they have that sort of slapstick approach to blood, especially in two, it's just different, right? It's them taking that and leaning more into the brutality in a way that I really loved. Yeah, me too, dude, me too, Jess. What was her name? Jane Levy, I think is the final girl's name in that. And she's fantastic, right? And 
So I'm just glad that we got something that is not too similar to what we'd already gotten while still sort of having similar nods to the original source material. Yeah, dude. And like, I think the scuttlebutt or whatever before was like, are they going to be able to bring that brutality? Are they going to be able right. to kind of mech? Because Evil Dead, you know, it's one or two. Like, it's gnarly, right? And I thought mm -hmm. they did, dude. I went and saw that in the movie theaters. I loved it. I own it. I bought it. I, I'm a huge fan. There's been some really good remakes. Uh, I would call them the 09 Friday the 13th, which, like, if you want to get into, like, the nitpicking stuff, fine. But, dude, it, like, it, 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 I really like the way it kind of, uh, encompassed all four of the first original films. Thought it Absolutely. Was well acted. I thought Jason looked cooler than he did in Jason vs. Freddy, at least. Like, I thought he looked cool. <laughs> yeah. I like, they went human. Now, me personally, and I get it, I'm not in control of things, but if I hit the lottery, I daydream about hitting, like, the mega lottery, settling the bullshit with Victor and the people, like, arguing over the rights to Jason and just making another movie. But yeah. I'm the biggest fan of Supernatural, Jason. I love mm -hmm. full-on zombified, fucked up, dead, been in the water for years, coming, I <laughs> rotten all the way, zombie Jason. He's even more powerful now than ever. That's my favorite Jason. I enjoyed in the movie how they he was human, the tunnels. That was cool. It was different. I mean, I, dude, I am so right there with you. I don't want them to just say, nope, this stuff's untouchable. No, I want more, right. more. Give me more movies, please. There's money for these companies to be made out there. Like Friday the 13th, 09 was successful. It made yeah. what, close to $100 billion stateside. I mean, Jesus, what do they want? Let's go, let's do some more movies. But the Nightmare remake was like a hardcore mess. I would call the good ones, certainly Evil Dead, Friday 09. I'm a little foggy, but I- Hills Have Eyes, probably? Oh, dude, the Hills Have Eyes remake was the yeah. shit. It was so, so good. Dope. Don't get me all pumped, Jay. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. Um, oh, I would have forgot that one too. Now there's been so many Texas Chainsaw like modern ones. There was one. Was it the one with Jessica Biel? Yeah, that was O three or O six. I can't remember. I but that was, uh, was Marcus Nispel who directed I, it. Yeah, you're a fucking movie guy. You're the shit. Um, <laughs> I thought one of them was really good. Uh, people don't always agree with me, but it was disturbing. It was like, oh, it's like fucking creepy, dude. Uh, I didn't love the uh, the one with Trey songs. I think maybe 2015 came out. I just did a complete series review for the podcast of those movies, and I'd only seen, obviously, the original, and then I saw the Jessica Biel one. So I watched all the, like, incarnations of them. And, um, yeah, Texas, I think it's, what is it called? It's called Texas Massacre 3D or something with Trey songs. But, yeah, that one I was not a fan of uh, yeah, I, at all. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't like that one. Did you even watch, like, the one that I think came even after that, Leatherface, where he's a kid. Yeah, so I, did you see that one? I saw, dude, honestly, I bought it, I own it. I never got all the way through it. Like, I just was not engaged. I like the idea, again, this is my thing where it's like, they're gonna continue these kind of stories that we love and these characters that we love. Sure. And so I, I appreciate that they're tackling the origin story, right? And I think that it was, it had a lot of good ideas. And there are a couple of super gnarly scenes that you would definitely appreciate, especially in the finale of the film. But it's one of those things where they sort of, they had a little too much ambition in this narrative about him kind of like the origin that didn't really go anywhere in an interesting way. Yeah, dude, I was just bored, honestly. If I, I yeah. think, like, I, I can't remember each little like intimate detail, but I remember being bored and I remember trying, dude, I don't give up. I could be like, this movie sucks, but I'll get through to the end. 
and I never made it through that movie. I do owe it a rewatch, and knowing me, I'll be like, this movie's great. Now, like, I always change how I feel, but yeah, never made it all the way through. Hey, did you watch Texas Chainsaw Next Generation with Matthew I McConaughey? I did. That was wild. Dude, that was wild. That's the fucking movie ever <laughs> made, dude. Oh, it's so wild. What did you think of that one? I thought it was more about the performances for me, right? It was uh, it was all about Matthew McConaughey and uh, yeah. it was Renee Zellweger, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those two are phenomenal. And I love how they play off each other. You just have this such a pure, innocent person playing off just like the embodiment of filth in a way that you didn't think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre could really tap into again. Because, right, because they've got had these sort of predetermined uh, scuzzy people before, right? It's kind of like been the continuation of them. And then you have this guy who somehow manages to make all of them look like child's play almost. Like he's yeah. just so gross and weird and like hypersexual and hyper violent at the same time. Like it was, it was a performance that I'm sure like Matthew McConaughey probably doesn't look fondly on. But yeah. at the same time, I'm like, dude, I need another Matthew McConaughey uh, horror role. Like that would be sick. That would be flipping sick, dude. I like Matthew McConaughey. Did you ever hear like any of the rumors about the ending? It's got that, now I haven't seen it in ages, uh, but it's got that weird ending where like they're rolling a body out. Uh, it's like the cop talk, they're in the hospital talking. Mm. And so I somewhere I read that the toe tag, it's the name of the director on, and it's actually like, a, I'm sure we can find this if we Googled it. I, just, I haven't searched it in forever. Um, it's kind of like a note to the studio or an FU to the studio because that movie got put <laughs> on the shelves forever. Right. Um, and they knew that was going to happen. And the cop says something along the lines of like, they're not going to let us do this. And that the toe tag is the name of the director. We should dig into that and talk about it on Twitter because I don't have all the facts. This is going back ages, dude. Like, I don't really yeah. remember. But there's something to that where, because right, that movie got put on the shelves. It didn't come out. And then, because they wanted those two to pop off, right? Their careers sort of like, they were like, oh, this is just another horror movie. They put it on the shelf. And then when those two's career popped off and they had, I don't remember what it was, they had some hit, they put it out in there. And then I think there was a lawsuit because Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey's agents were like, these guys are about to like go to the moon. We don't want them associated with this. I'm pretty sure that's how that Dude, went. That's awesome. And they were like, fuck you. I mean, what, you can't stop them from putting it out, but. I'm gonna rewatch that maybe tonight. Almost every movie we've talked about in my mind, I'm like, I'm watching that tonight. But meanwhile, I have to go to bed at like eight o'clock at night, but I might really watch. I haven't seen it, dude, in so long. Um, maybe it'd be fitting to watch The Mist too. I could do a May, even though I saw it a few months ago. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that in probably a decade or something. It's been a really long Texas Chainsaw, The Next Generation. But um, as far as like the good remakes, I'm sure I'm missing some. Like I would have missed Hills Have Eyes, but I'm right there with you, Jay. Like, I'm a fan of more stuff to watch, and I go to the movies to see it. I'm a paying customer. Um, hey, what did you think of the new Halloween? Oh, dude, I love that. And I get so much shit from people talking about how much I love that movie because really? I love how... Why? People don't like it? Like, Well, I, I guess, I don't know. My buddies were like, well, it's, it's so much of, like, what they already have done. And so for me, I'm like, well, we haven't gotten one of these movies in how long since... I mean, it's been a decade probably in between the Rob Zombie stuff and this. And I was like, well, you're bringing back, obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis. Fantastic. We're going to continue with her character. And they're introducing her character in a way that it doesn't sort of like nitpick different things that happened in those other movies. And yet it's addressing especially like her trauma and how much that movie affected her. Like 
Yeah, that event dude. is so pivotal. It's not just like, yeah, there was a psycho killer that's in prison now. It's like, no, that's fundamentally fucked up a person, even if she survived. Was it even worth surviving? And they kind of delve into that in her character in a way that I think is really interesting. And then, of course, Michael is fucking awesome. And they've got some of the most brutal kills, I think, out of him that they felt very in line with his character. You know what I mean? Like, he's like curb stomping people's heads and bashing people's teeth out. And it's more brutal than we've seen in the other films. Sure, certainly. It's it still feels in line with his character, right? It's not sort of like super fantastical, if that makes any sense. I know exactly what you mean, which which the, the Rob Zombie one kind of went down that road. It was like Kane Hodder, Michael Myers was giant, enormous. And I, you know, there were moments like, I like the Rob Zombie Halloween. I do remember being in the movie theater and like feeling like it was a real opportunity missed to like, you want us to believe Michael's home life was hell? Then make it hell. And they, what they did with the father, he was like, hey, little motherfucker, get my breakfast, yeah. you little pissant. The whole audience erupted laughing. laughing. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, man. Like, how ill would it have been if, like, you know, they're telling us this father's awful. Tell us he's awful. You know, he's mm. grabbing his daughter's ass and he's obviously, like, touchy and molesty and gross. Yeah. Go down that road. They made it funny. Like, at... Every right. time I saw it, the audience died laughing at the father. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was an opportunity like missed, but maybe that's just like, as a fan, I wanted to understand this is where Michael's, if that's what we're doing here, it's not a mysterious right. darkness like in the original when Loomis says, there's just nothing behind his eyes, which that was cool too, but we're not doing that. We're going down that road, show us it's horrible. And it was like really funny, but I'm a fan of those Rob Zombie ones even part two, which no one likes. And I kind of like part two. I still haven't seen that. And I've heard from some of my buddies, like I that's well worth checking out. So if you say it's good, I'll add that to my list. Dude, it's it's different. Oh, I thought it was Jay. I really like it and no one likes it. Like everyone, I'm used to like being a part of a fan base and then finding a little island of my own. Like, but that's just <laughs> really how I feel. It's like uncomfortably violent sometimes, which I like that, dude. I'm not, I'm like the biggest softy in the world. I can handle like fake violence. I can't watch any kind of real violence. It upsets me, dude. Like I can't, I can't hang. This movie, I want my violence brutal in a movie where it's fake. And it, there's times where it's just like, Jesus. But they, you know, uh, that movie did, I don't think commercially, I don't think it did very well. Um, it just didn't land like that first one. But I think that, oh man, dude, you gotta watch. I don't wanna say anything to Rudy. You gotta watch yeah, it. I'm I'll so curious movies. to see what you think, Jay. Like, uh, really, really curious, man. So I hope you check it out and then tweet about it. We'll talk about it. We'll get other people involved too. But yeah, I was a fan of the Rob Zombie ones. I'm so stoked that Halloween, the 2018, had the success that it had. And I'm yeah. so happy there's two more coming. Again, it comes back to content. We want movies, we want stuff. I love that it was canon. Dude, I, I'm i so, oh God, where are the Friday the 13th people? Like, give us yeah. like a Jason movie, canon Jason. I mean, Kane Hodder one day, he's gonna die, he's gonna be too old. Like, I would get him to play it. It would excite the fan base. It doesn't matter that he's old, he's behind all that makeup, like a supernatural canon Jason sequel. I would be so pumped, but. I was actually thinking in prep, I know how big of a Friday the 13th fan you are. Have you seen the uh, fan film called Never Hike in the Snow? Uh, well, there's Never Hike Alone, and then the sequel is Never Hike uh, in the Snow, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen, seen them both. I've seen them both. Okay. Yeah, of course. Okay, cool. Um, Those are going to be my recs, just because, obviously, 
not feature films, but I really enjoyed just how they kind of, I mean, in the interim, we're sitting here on our, on our ass with no uh, Jason content. And I thought I that those were pretty, pretty cool. It was interesting. Obviously it's a fan film. There are going to be certain limitations, but it was awesome to see creatives just kind of run with it in a way that feels authentic to the source material in a really fun way. And it has- Which is not an easy feat, dude. Like, yeah, that's not an easy task, right? And they did, so, okay. There are people that watch every fan film. Well, I'm not one of them. I haven't seen every, some of them are horrible. Like a buddy of mine who actually, uh, he made this mask here. He does the Jason masks and he did this part seven, which is a really good part seven. Oh, nice. Well, I, I actually have a part seven from the movie. It wasn't on camera, but it's one of the backups from the actual movie. Oh, uh, sick. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Uh, so So he was like, you got to see this one. I can't remember what it was called, but it was like, and we watched it and it was like enjoyable in a way, you know, but like mm -hmm. the Never Hike Alone. So Never Hike, Never Hike Alone, which I believe is the first one. I hope I'm saying that right. It was like methodical. It was slow. And then Never Hike Alone. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I was so blown away by that one. So I believe the story is the guy who made that or the team that made that did like a GoFundMe. And they, they raised yeah. a bunch of money. Like people loved uh, this fan-made movie and then they had all this money. My biggest gripe with Never Hike in the Snow is that it's too short because I like <laughs> it so much, I want yeah. more, which is a compliment to them. That's saying yeah. like, hey, I like what you've done so much. Uh, I wish there was more. Um, but dude, I love those. I fucking yeah. love those. And I, I love that there's like a community of people that could put something like that together that care enough still about these movies that like, I mean, you know, I'm getting fucking old, dude. I'm 41 years old, man. Like, there's these movies like came out and they had their heyday before these. A lot of these people were even born, you know. Right. Uh, and I wonder what like the people that have the power to get movies really greenlit and made. I wonder what they think when all this. Do they look at it as like a bubbling and they say like, oh, when it breaks, like then we're gonna make our real money? Because, like I said, 09 was successful. Like it made money. There's a mar. Now it's been long enough. The bubbling is there. People are ready for more. Um, but yeah, sometimes I'll go down a YouTube like rabbit hole and just check out <laughs> some of those fan-made ones. Some of them are hilariously bad, but there are yeah. some that are really good. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I just brought those up because I think that those really show that if you're going to do a fan film, it's more than just throwing a mask on, right? The whole, well, the entirety yeah. of those, it really just captures the essence of the character and sort of what those movies go for. But I think it's interesting we've been talking about remakes. And while it's not exactly a remake, it's this idea of like how hot King is right now in terms of adapting his movies to the screen, right? Totally. And so I think in this heyday of whether it be like It or you've got uh, The Haunting of Hill House and these things, I'm really interested to see if The Mist ever gets a resurgence because The Mist is one of those movies that I think it has all of the different elements of horror that people are really coming back to this idea that we want we want specifically like character-driven stories. We also want those bloody monster moments. And I think we had mentioned a couple of times that um, loading bay scene with the monster tentacle or the Cthulhu tentacle and talking and highlighting why Darabont is so remarkable in this movie is that he's able to take that monster moment that's like, okay, here's the tentacle. But then he really brings it back to the characters because that interaction at the very beginning of the movie is everything. Those guys are sort of like chastising Thomas Jane and they're like, shut up Hollywood. You're like, you think you're better than all of us. We're not gonna listen to you. And it kind of just really highlights that when people are scared, they start conflict out of nothing. 
Sure. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like it's not subtle, really, in the movie. Like they're they hit the nail on the head. Like this is what fear does. But how isn't it odd, dude? It's like really wild how applicable it is right now in the climate right now. Get out of here, you liberal elite Hollywood. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you're talking about. And then, you know, people fear being so powerful. People turn to God and then you've got the groups and oh, God, remember? You know what, Jay, I did you a disservice. I should have watched this last night. It's all like flooding back to me. I had just watched it so recently. And honestly, I ran out of time. I'm so busy running around, but more and more people keep going with the religious lady, that kooky lady. And she's mm -hmm. scared. Yeah, dude, she's more frightening than anything out in the mist. Oh, and the, you know, not to always go back to the ending, but the icing on the cake at the ending was the woman that left in the beginning on the truck. She made it back. Oh, it's just, oh man, dude, I'll cry right now thinking about it. It's so heartbreaking. That scene was supposed to have, um, they actually cut it out, but there were supposed to be people from the store that were following the religious lady on the, tr there was supposed to be another truck that goes by from the store, which shows that like the mist was actually be, uh, dissipating on both ends of wherever it came from. So no this idea that like, way. yeah. And so that was one of those things that would have just been even more heartbreaking. This idea that this guy that sort of spends the whole movie being this kind of like this uh, vestige of good, essentially, all of a sudden, all of his good uh, work and whatnot is for naught, right? He made the wrong decision, even if he had the best of intentions oh, and he dude. had like the purest oh, of heart. So I'm curious, I wonder why they, uh, I wonder why they took that out. Like they, they thought like it was enough heartache, like they couldn't. I, I think Darabont was probably, I mean, he was so fortunate in that he had creative control over that ending, right? That was the deal from the start. And I think he even took, he sacrificed his um, his salary, I think, for the movie, or he had to make the movie at half the budget or something to that extent to ensure he they would not fuck with the ending. Yeah. And I, I would bet since he got exactly what he wanted, he was like, let me lay off a little bit. Yeah. Because then it might be almost like, because that scene is just the perfect amount of fucked up, right? Yeah, it's like too heavy handed if like, oh, by the way, if you stayed put, I get it. God, that's it. I never knew that. Dude, that's pretty, uh, that's gnarly. I never read that. I can tell tonight I'm just going to go on a missed rabbit hole reading. It's just so interesting to me. It is. I yeah. thought I thought I read everything about it and like, uh, like knew a lot of stuff, but you're, you know, you seem to know a lot more than I do about it. That is really interesting and really cool to hear. Like that's fucking wild. I'm listen. I have no qualms with the ending. Like I don't want. I, I don't say. Oh man, I'm crying my eyes out. But I wish they did this. But I never heard that story. That's really really interesting. Hey, it, because this is what I do, and I know you try to pull it back to the mist all the time. I'm curious though. What did you think of Doctor Sleep? Did you did you see Doctor Sleep? Oh, dude. Doctor Sleep is the most slept on horror movie of, did it come out last year or two years ago? I can't I, even remember. I've got know, COVID the pandemic, brain, so. everything, it has to be two years ago because I went to the movies to see it three times. That is the most slept on horror movie, I think of the last two, two or three years, whenever it came out, just because I think the reason it didn't blow up outside of like horror circles is because mainstream audiences don't know what the fuck Doctor Sleep is. It yeah. sounds stupid, but if they had said The Shining 2, Dr. Sleep, that movie would have blown up, I think, twice the amount that it did. I, I think th it was a marketing thing because there's nothing wrong with that movie in yeah. terms of being a sequel to one of the kind of like Mount Rushmore's of horror in a lot of people's eyes. That movie should not be as good as it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. Like, uh, so I, ha I had that conversation with like a movie friend of mine and I, what we watched like some of the trailers on the DVD, it never says 
the sequel to The Shining, but they do say it on some of them. But yeah, like just as an overall umbrella, like way of campaigning it. But what do you do? The book is called Dr. Sleep and like, are you a fan of Mike Flanagan? Do you like uh, Mike Flanagan? Yeah, I dig Mike Flanagan stuff. Yeah, I like uh, Hush's, I really like Hush. That's like my introductory to Mike Flanagan for other people that are like, hey, should I? what should I see of this guys? It's either that or everybody has Netflix. So uh, The Haunting of Hill House, like that miniseries is fantastic. What about, hey, did you watch the, uh the sequel that season two, I haven't watched it yet, The Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh, yeah, so I did see that. It's very different than The Haunting of Hill House. And I think anybody that goes into it expecting it to be similar to um, The Haunting of Hill House is gonna be disappointed because it's much more like classical Gothic horror. It's more of like a ghost love story than it is a horror series. Yeah. Um, so I think it has a lot of solid performances in it, but I think it's definitely the weaker. I kept hearing about it. So I'm hearing about it, hearing about it. People are loving it. And then it just like went away. So people stopped talking about it. Like the marketing bucks dried up or something. But obviously I'm a huge Mike Flanagan fan. What was that sequel he did? He did like a sequel to, now for years, I thought he did one of the Annabelle sequels, but he didn't actually. Like, no. Um, Cause Annabelle, not, they did Creation, not, they did Homecoming. Um, I think Annabelle Creation was much, oh no. Uh, my buddy Jay from Hollywood's friend did that. And I thought that was the best, I think Annabelle 1 was a, pretty much a piece of shit. I don't even remember Annabelle 2, but Annabelle Creation, I actually thought was really good. I, unless An Annabelle Creation isn't Annabelle 2, is it? Um, I think Home, are you talking, Is it? are you thinking of the most recent one, Homecoming? No, no, creation's the one back in the day, okay. like the yes. couple yes. that lose that. That dude, I had low expectations, but I thought that movie rocked. I actually thought Mike Flanagan did that movie, but now I realized the error of my way. Um, what was this? Mike Flanagan did a sequel to something. Oh, uh, we it was Ouija. Origin of Origins of Evil, and it was dope. It was like this movie is. I was frightened, dude. I was like actually scared. And I said, God, who made this movie? Oh, this Mike Flanagan guy. Then Hush, then the, everything he, oh man, there was another movie too. Did he do Absentia? Was that one of his movies? Uh, did that you was his that? first, I think. I haven't seen that one. I think that's his first though. It was good. It was like, I watched it maybe on Netflix or something. And I was like, dude, that's a pretty good movie. Then I started following Mike Flanagan or noticing that a couple of these directors, like guys like Ty West did some cool uh, underground horror stuff. And this guy, Mike Flanagan, now Mike Flanagan's exploded, but I right. thought Dr. Sleep was incredible. And I, I, Have you seen the director's cut? Of course, yeah. Um, That's the way to see it. Actually, I so I buy it and I hit play thinking I'm watching the director's cut, watch the whole movie. I was like, God, I don't remember it. I didn't seem any different. That come to find, that wasn't the director's cut. You have to scroll <laughs> down to actually yeah. access the... So the next day I watch it again, but what was cool about that is being able to really pinpoint the differences um, as opposed to like a few months from the theaters. I saw it three or four times in the theater and a movie buff friend of mine who like, he accuses me of liking everything. Well, he hates everything. He told me he got up and walked out of Dr. Sleep. He's like, you idiot, everything, I'm an idiot. You're an idiot, you like everything. Let me guess, you're friends with the guy. And I was like, we follow each other on Twitter. I'm not, I'm not a friend of his, I'm a fan of his. He's like, exactly. His gripe with the movie was that the sky was overexposed in a scene in the daylight. And that's just shoddy filmmaking. 
I've never in my life seen this guy say he was wrong. Not one time, dude. He's the most hard-headed dude. A few months later, he comes up to me and he goes, dude, I got to tell you, Dr. Sleep, I was wrong. Movie <laughs> rocks. And I was like, hey, dude, I've never, I've known this kid my whole life. I've never, ever heard him say he was wrong about anything. So that Dr. Sleep gave me that. So, oh, I'm forever uh, in Dr. Sleep's, uh, you know, it's always going to be like Dr. Sleep, the movie that got my friend Jackie to say, God, I hope he never <laughs> hears this, my friend Jackie to say he was wrong. But I was like really blown away. I thought it was terrific. And then again, like I'm the, the fan uh, other with other fans of The Shining, but I'm on this island saying that I thought Dr. Sleep was incredible. I thought it yeah. was really great. And I love like in like the DVD extras, like the interviews with Flanagan and King where like Flanagan kind of said to King like, hey, we can make it right. We can make, have you ever read The Shining? I have not, no. Well, I think Stephen King, you know, yeah, it's well documented. He didn't love the Kubrick version. And right. you know, the book is so different, which is cool. Mm. You can enjoy them both uh, as like these separate entities, but they're these threads obviously that, that tie them. Uh, but Flanagan basically said to King like, hey, Let's get that ending right for you. The hotel doesn't stand. We take it that spoiler alert. We take the hotel down. And King was into that because that's what happened at the end of the actual Shining, you know. Um, God, I, I think about when I read The Shining, uh, I do think about like Kubrick or any filmmaker, you run the risk. And this is true in music. This is true probably in writing. This is true. Like when you go for something, you run the risk of it being corny. And in The Shining, when I'm reading the words and I there's time to build these worlds with the words, a hotel coming alive plays. But like on a movie, it could be super corny. Dude, did you ever see the Steven Weber uh, TV miniseries, The Shining, that they did? I have not, no. I have, oh, I've heard of it, but I've never dude. seen it. <laughs> You've got to see it. You've got to see it. It was like totally true to the book, right? But like... Mm -hmm. You know, it's very TV. Watch it now, it's fucking hilarious. It's the best comedy ever, because it's so <laughs> dated. But at the time, they made something that was totally like true to the book. I mean, I'm sure there are certain things here and there. I've actually read The Shining twice, but I'll read it again in a few years, and it'll be like the first time. I remember like major plot stuff, but all the little nuance and stuff kind of escapes me. And then in that way, it's like the first time again. But the Steven Weber Shining miniseries is fucking hilarious, dude. You know Steven Weber from that show Wings? He's like, a, yeah. he was all right. I don't remember him being like that bad. Of course, when you're comparing it to like Nicholson. Uh, it, no yeah, comparison. it's like the poor guy was up against it from the jump, but oh, dude, you've got to check that out. It's fucking hilarious. It's so funny. I think when you mentioned uh, Ouija Origin of Evil, I think that's the best example of like Flanagan's trajectory, right? He's able to take the follow-up to a movie that I do not think is good. I don't think the original is good at all. I never and saw he's it. Well, you're, you're lucky. You started with the better <laughs> of the two films. But I think that it shows that he's able to take this kind of like generic, forgettable horror movie and then he's able to put his own sort of like nasty spin on it and make it super memorable. And I mean, that movie ends with such a like holy shit moment that you're not expecting, even if it is sort of designed as this sort of like mass market appeal horror movie for a mass market audience, right? Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. he has so many of these little iconic moments throughout it. You would assume that this is his uh, universe that he's created from the jump. But I think, yeah, in all of his movies, he's able to take these familiar premises and then of course, he's able to do that with all the King stuff that he's uh, adapting, especially with like Gerald's Game, which uh, is a movie no, that like- fucking Gerald's Game yeah. is phenomenal. How does that movie work? And then he just makes it work in a way that is heartbreaking, fucked up, 
super disturbing. I mean, that's one of those ones where you're just like gritting your teeth the entire movie and it's got so many different beats to it that, I mean, that's one that I don't think gets enough love in terms of uh, not just Stephen King adaptations, but Netflix original movies and that whole conversation. Yeah, I can't, dude, I totally forgot that Mike did Gerald's Game and it was fucking phenomenal. Dude, that ending. Now, again, I'd never read the book or the story. I didn't know any of the source material. I saw there's a few directors out there that when I see they do something, I jump in. I saw Mike Flanagan did it. I jumped in. I probably had bloody palms from my fingernails. (laughs) Dude, I was on edge. Yeah. Well acted, well written. But that ending, dude, that was incredible. That like big, weird stuff. I mean, almost beast-like did. Oh, God, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Oh, man, so good. So fucking good. And that's like, it was just such a human story. I'm talking, what if that happened? Oh, my God. Like, oh, dude, what a great movie. I got to rewatch Gerald's. Every movie we talked about, I'm like, well, I got to rewatch that. Dude, I loved that movie. I kept saying to my wife, it's not, this is how I convinced my wife to watch, like, things in the horror realm. It's not a horror movie. No, right. it's like a, you know, it's like a thriller. That's my go-to. No, no, it's a thriller. But God, Gerald's got begged her to watch it. She never did. But uh, that was such, she might like that one. That one was so good. Um, yeah, Mike Flanagan's really like, I'm excited for him that he's carved out his place and is a dude that like, I'll forever check out, you know, well, unless he makes 10 shitty movies in a row, I'll always <laughs> check out Mike Flanagan. He's really good at what he does. Um, I'm so glad there's like horror directors out there like that kind of car putting their stamp on, carving out a place, and really becoming stars. Like, there's not a whole lot of directors that I'm going to check it out just because they did it. And Mike Flanagan is definitely one of them. And it's very early. Like, I'm so glad that I watched Absentia. And I don't know why. You know, dude, on Netflix, there's so many, like, horror options. And, like, a lot of them I'll get through because I have this thing where it's like, I'm an artist. And I always want people to give the music I'm a part of or the music that I make, like, the time. Just give it the time, let the song play. Don't talk through the song, you know, forever, my whole life. You play somebody a song and inside you're like, here comes the best part. Without fail, a friend of mine will talk during it. Oh, hey, did I tell you the other day? And it's like, you motherfucker. (laughs) So I try to extend the same like patience and gratitude to any art. So I've sat through some of those Netflix horror movies that are just like, oh, dude, come on. But Absentia was like a great find. like, I think I mentioned Ty West. That was a dude, I mm-hmm. can't remember. I think The Innkeepers was one. House of the Devil was another House one. Of the Devil. House of the Devil was cool, but you know, very slow 70s and like real, but then that ending was so, you know, like with anything, dude, like that could have been really corny, but it landed for me. It wasn't corny and it looked so kind of 70s-ish. And, I wonder what he's doing. Has he put out any movies like recently? Ty West was like, that was the director that I was checking for when I discovered Mike Flanagan. But then I haven't heard anything in a few years. God, I'd love to hear. Oh, he's got three movies out and I could go catch up on him. Yeah, he's been doing a lot of TV stuff uh, recently. Let's see. He's filming a movie called X right now, but he did. uh, Yeah, he's been doing a bunch of TV. Like what kind of shit? Like what kind of stuff on TV? Tales from the Loop, which was a sci-fi series for Amazon. He did. uh, Let's see. The, oh, the Exorcist TV series uh, from a few years back. Wayward Pines, which was a horror series with uh, Matt Dillon, I think. Um, and he did a like a Western within the Valley in a Valley of Violence with Ethan Hawke. So he's kind of been all over the place yeah. for a while. So it's one of those guys I would love to see him sort of 
come home to uh, what he started with. Cause yeah, I mean, that's, hey, totally. that's one of those things where it's like, there's so many people show up and they're so promising from the start and you just kind of, you want them to be able to explore. I mean, I'm not an artist, but it's one of those things you want them to explore creativity wherever it comes, right? If somebody has an idea for something, they have that creative passion, that drive. You want to see how that flourishes in other genres or other uh, art forms, just because by the time they come back to where they started, they might have a new influence or a new style sure. developed. At least Absolutely. that's my thinking of it. I got to do like a Ty West rundown and kind of check all those shows. Like I bet I'd be into and I never checked. You know, there is, we're in like the age of content. There's so much stuff. So uh, much. Yeah, and it's like, of course, me, every night I go to bed, I go to, like, the same five TV shows, like, comedies that I watch. But, like, when it's horror watching time, I like to be fully dedicated. I hate falling asleep during a horror movie because I feel like I've kind of disrespected it. I don't feel bad falling asleep to, like, my cheesy sitcom, Parks and Rec, The Office, 30 Rock. I mean, those shows are terrific. They're not cheesy. But those are my shows I fall asleep to. But I got to do, like, a Ty West rundown. Did you, you know who Ty West is though? Like before me mentioning him, like, yeah, you're really, yeah. I, I, uh, I like look up to you in a way, Jay, like your knowledge is for real. And I'm serious, dude, I'm not trying to be like super corny. Like I've just noticed from like the tweets that you cultivated and whatnot, I'm always like, oh, this dude really knows his shit. And like, like if you put out that a movie's good, I'm going to check for it. Um, oh, that, that I, means a lot to me. Thank you, man. Yeah, big time, dude. And I, I respect that, like, uh, that you care about this art form. And so do I. You know, I don't I might not have, like, the knowledge base. But like I said, I do think some of that is by design. It's it's that, you know, I'm not writing. For, I mean, I got published as a reviewer, but I told the mag the magazine went under right away. Um, but I told them, I said, I want to make it clear. Like, I'm not a reviewer. Like, I don't know. I'm the real thing. I'm a fan. And that's it. So I write these silly reviews. I, I think I reviewed origins of evil um <laughs> what was the other flanagan movie that he did oculus right didn't he do yes. oculus yeah, yeah that was good too man uh i liked oculus i was like oh shit these this horror guys coming out that movie seemed to get a lot of steam like people were mm -hmm. into it and people were talking about it hey did you ever watch the mist tv show so i did not just because Me neither, i was dude. i was skeptical because it was on i think it was on spike tv when that was a thing i don't know i was it was kind of a shitty point of uh point of view of it or assumption to make, but I was like, there's no way that they're going to adapt this in a way that I want to keep tuning in every week. I don't know. I just, I didn't have a lot of faith in their ability to develop characters that I wanted to see play out over 10 or 14 episodes or something like that. I don't know. That's just me though. I was like, is Spike TV going to be the network that takes one of the greatest horror films of all time and then serialize it in yeah, a way yeah. that is super compelling? I just, I didn't see it. And then I think I was sort of vindicated in the reviews I was reading of it that were exactly. not especially favorable. <laughs> yeah. So here we are. We're doing like a podcast about The Mist. And both of us were like, yeah, I never checked it out. The reviews came in and then the reviews just from the void, from the people that care and was like, mm -hmm. dude, that show's awful. And I was like, oh, I'm not. there's so many things to watch. I'm not going to waste my time. Maybe one day. Maybe one day when it's the end of the world and I've gone through everything <laughs> and it's finally like that day, like, ah, fuck it, I'll do it. Maybe, but yeah, it wasn't real. Now, if I had heard both, I'm sure we would have watched it. We heard like, dude, that show, The Mist, oh my God, it's totally different than the movie. It's amazing. Then Absolutely. I would have went for it, but I never heard that from anybody. I only heard it was shitty. So um, I generally try to not let that make up my mind, but yeah, I never went in. I think it's telling that neither one of us ever fucked with it. So, <laughs> But at the same time, man, it was kind of like we were talking about with remakes. I'm down for them to make that series. I have no, I'm not one of those people that's like, you can't make it 
serialized, even if it's not something that I sounds like I'm interested in. I'm just happy that it's out there. We're getting a new horror series. We're getting different creatives coming into the horror, fil uh, horror field. But at the same time, also, the mist is being put in people's ears again, whether they want to tune into the series all the way or they're like, oh, this is adapted from a movie. Let me go back and watch that movie. It's yeah. almost like if they were going to adapt uh, Friday the 13th into a serialized series. Now, I doubt that will ever happen. I doubt. We always hear that rumor, though. We always hear that rumor that they're going to do a, a, a like an hour-long episode, like a, The Walking Dead meets Jason, where it's going to be that kind of serial and like never happens. You hear everything, dude. Jason's right. coming out with a found footage movie. It's going to be this. <laughs> it's going to be that. But yeah, dude, I wish they would do that. Do you remember the Friday the 13th show that they had? It would... So I've heard, I've heard of it. I've never actually seen it. That was, uh, that yeah. was a, uh, that was a little before my time, I think. Yeah. How old are you? Can I ask how old are you? Yeah. I'm 29 this month, actually. Oh, you're just a baby. Uh, <laughs> That's what I keep hearing. <laughs> it was so beat, dude. The show it was yeah. so whack. Yeah. It, like, God, they had it there for the, it didn't have, fine. If it wasn't going to center around Jason, it could, I don't know. It's the same thing with Freddy's Nightmares. It was another TV show where it was just like, we watched it solely just for Freddie's little intros that he that Robert England probably recorded them all in one day. Like this Two is days a of tale work. about Jenny who's gonna find out her <laughs> dreams are in all they're made up to you know, whatever. That's the only reason we watched it. The stories themselves were kind of B or whatever. And, um but dude, if they ever did anything like that and really did it, oh my god, I'd be I have this like fantasy that like Somebody like a Quentin Tarantino, somebody with a real footprint is going to make a Jason movie or make a Freddy movie and like do something so fresh and so fucked up and new that it's going to be like amazing. Maybe that's just, you know, totally wishful thinking. But even if they don't want to direct it, though, I mean, think I think it gets overlooked how important producers are. I mean, look at Michael Bay. People oh, yeah, shit on sure. his movies all the time. And I don't think a lot of his movies are necessarily for me, but he produced that Texas Chainsaw remake. And I think he produced one more. But Dude, he did the plat. It was like his company that brought all these to life, right? The Jason one, the Freddy one. I get it. Did he recognize there's a market for it? And he, he's a guy that can get shit done. Say what you want about Michael Bay. I've enjoyed plenty of Michael Bay productions, dude. Like, I get it. It's big explode. Like, I'm a popcorn movie guy. I can go and fucking dig it. But he recognized that there was like a place for it. Boom, a market for it. What I don't get, it's like, that's what people ultimately, right? That's the bottom line is making money. How can Friday the 13th be held up this long? It makes right. money. There's a fam, and you're gonna fuck around and kill it. Like the groundswell, if it doesn't happen, starts to die down. And then maybe one day people don't care. Like the next generation and the next generation, if you're not right. gonna give us movies, like what the fuck? And do something with Freddy. God, what about, oh, what, is, there's that new, there's a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, isn't there? It's like old man Leatherface. Yep, they just announced that the other day, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm ex I'm amped for that. I've And dude, it's because of the success of Halloween, a canon story about old Michael Myers. Um, yeah. Scream 5. We're getting yeah. Scream 5 next year, I think, even. And it's just, it's great to see these Hallmark, like the Hallmark storied franchises still getting their due in the modern day. And the success of those, obviously, we're going to get more, hopefully, right? Another Freddy, another Jason, but also it helps the horror brand as a whole. So now people Absolutely. are more willing totally. to invest in all the Ty Wests. And I mean, Mike Flanagan, when Mike Flanagan was quote unquote, a nobody back in the day, but I mean, it just kind of, it, it uh, pools all of our resources in the common energy and interest. And most importantly, the money to help support all these new filmmakers out there that want to kind of get into the game and get more variety of stories and more content. Like we've been, uh, 
we've been sort of uh, talking about a lot and just this idea, like we want more weird. Yeah, don't get me wrong, Jay. Like I'm with you a hundred percent. And like, I am still excited about fresh new ideas too. More spotlighting the horror genre as a whole, which is kind of having like after Halloween, there's gonna, I knew it. As soon as that took off like it did, it was like, oh good, there's gonna be more stuff, which always tickles me. That's all I really want, <laughs> more stuff. I mean, what? Did you ever ask me our lead-in question? Why aren't you supposed to ask me? <laughs> We've had, we had such a, we hit it off right from the jump, I forgot. Uh, yeah, I mean, my, so like my, usually my icebreaker question is um, kind of just like your origins of horror and where kind of like your love of horror comes from. And so like your first experience with a horror movie that, um, that had like a profound effect on you for uh, better or worse. Yeah, what, it's a great question. I, I did do this other podcast and it's called My First Horror. And I think I said with a guy named Ken Sledge, and he's starting to get some really great guests. The oh, nice. whole episode is centered around that, though. Your first time. It's not just one question. That's the whole episode. You would like Ken a lot, I think. You should yeah. check for him on Twitter. I'll share his name with you. He's a cool guy, and you guys are doing sure. something different but similar under the podcast umbrella. But you guys would dig each other. And I, did, I told him it was an American Werewolf in London, but I'm not sure that it was. I, that's the first one that really impacted me. But when I was a kid, dude, we were allowed to watch horror. I'm talking four or five years old. And my grandparents were like, now I was raised by my mom and dad, but like even when we were over at Nanny and Papa's, we were, it was understood. My grandparents were like conservative people, like very prim and proper, totally allowed to watch horror. Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, doesn't matter as long as there's not boobies. And the second there's <laughs> boobies, I covered it. If you got caught peeking, you go to your room. Cause like I said, mm -hmm. they're conservative, but dude, watching somebody get bludgeoned to death with a machete, no problem. Maybe that's like <laughs> actually like a fitting microcosm for like the conservative right there. But yeah, it's a, I was thinking about that question. Then actually when you brought it up before, I was like, I forgot what it was. I was hopeful that that was the question. It might be, even if it, it it's around the same time for me, um, five or six i'm in that you know it's like 85 uh nightmare on elm street was like on tv it was on hbo and my parents were talking about that they were going to watch it and i'd already been exposed i, I knew who freddie was already so but i didn't you know it's like a child i didn't sit down right. and watch the whole movie i set up this like makeshift kind of like it wasn't a chair, it was like a box and then a chair and then something that I could sit high enough that from my bedroom through the crack in my door like this, I could <laughs> see above their heads. I watched the whole movie like that. And then I fell over. And it's a story that I remember because my parents tell the story. My parents just hear, ding, you all this shit crashing. I fell from like eight feet up. I'm a little kid and they come bursting in my room. The end of Nightmare on Elm Street's playing. There's no pause. And it's me. I kind of probably fell asleep and fell off the top of my bed where I was. But at the same time, it's either Nightmare on Elm Street or American Werewolf in London. American Werewolf in London to me is a like a monsterly important movie. Pardon the awful pun. My friend's dad had it on Laserdisc. I can only mm -hmm. imagine that it was a Laserdisc. It was this big and you had to flip it over halfway through. And we would watch that thing like every day and it's one of my i mean it's just such a brilliant movie it's a love story uh a powerful love story like you've seen american world of london right yeah oh yeah sure. david falls in love i fell in love i still love that nurse dude that was like the first object of my affection as a kid even the friendship though right there that's another type of love right oh, the friendship God, between the two 100%. friends i mean yeah. it's multiple layers of love which again like 
people I think are probably pretty, uh, people that aren't diehard horror fans might be like, well, yeah, it's another werewolf, another monster movie, but it's like, these movies are special and they're the standouts of their subgenres because they tackle the human element as well, which sticks with you just as much as the sick transformation scene. Oh God, that transformation scene is so money. So um, good. Yeah, it is about, but it, kill yourself, David. And it's Jack rotting, begging him to not. Mm -hmm. And then Dave, you know, the pressure mounting of that, oh, the, the music and the dream sequences when he's running through the woods. <laughs> oh my God, it's so brilliant. It's just so brilliant. But now, you know, it's like, it's part of my DNA. It's stamped onto me because we would just pop that in and watch it all the time. They had another laser disc too, it was Cat People, but I never got it. I probably didn't understand it as a five-year-old kid, but yeah, American Werewolf in London is like top five ultra important. But Elm Street One is on there too. It's around the same time that I was exposed to it. And then at the schoolyard, it's like all kids could talk about was Freddy Krueger. I mean, it really, like, I would love another Freddy Krueger. I know there's like some of these character, uh, you know, like they're trying to build like a tent pole character. I can't even think of, there's the, not wrong term, but there's the, Kane Hodder's in him. He plays like the deformed Oh, uh, Victor Crowley. Yeah, what are the, what, are they, is that the name of the movies, Victor Crowley? Uh, the, oh, okay, so the third one is Victor Crowley. That's his name. I think it's Hatchet 1, Hatchet 2. Yeah. And then Victor Crowley, I think. I mean, do you, have you ever seen those? I've never seen them. So I saw Hatchet 1. And that movie has some absolutely insane practical kills in it. I'm not as big a fan of that movie as a lot of people, but if you're a slasher fan like you are, you will seriously appreciate how brutal and how gnarly some of those kills are. <laughs> I gotta why Isn't it wild that I haven't seen that? There's like these things about my life that like take people, even myself, it takes me by surprise. The fact that I've never, I've sat there a million times, like is tonight the night that I do it? And I'm just, I'm like saving it in a way. I do that. I never watched Game of Thrones. I saw it for the first time like six months ago and I got to watch the whole thing. I just was, I was saving it kind of like, and I did enjoy it, I thought it was awesome. Hatchet's always there and I'm like, do I bite? There's some other ones too, but I would love for another like horror icon to just come out, all the kids are talking about it, just take over like a Freddy, like a Jason, you know, just like completely take over and become like a cultural pillar for it to like build up a whole new franchise. And I think people are certainly trying. It's not for lack of trying. I know there's movies, there's things, and but that would be exciting. But nothing's gonna like replace that for me. And I know you're younger than me, but I was, I lived through that. And like on the playground, I loved Jason Goes to Hell. Again, part of a fan base on an island with like me and four <laughs> other people. Because for years on the playground, we'd say, why don't they just blow him up with a bazooka? And then they find <laughs> fucking dead in part nine. And I was, it was like, finally, just like, what would happen if Jason got blew up with a bazooka? What's his name? The director, uh, Adam Marcus. Oh, there's so many, he's doing a document. So um, I started following Adam Marcus on Twitter and he's doing a documentary about what it was like to make Jason Goes to Hell. Oh, wow. Oh yeah, dude, I can't fucking wait. I bother him about it all the time. Hey, when's that documentary come? You know, um, but some of the stories that have come out, like Sean Cunningham, who had produced the early ones, the first one, that was part of the tagline. And, and, and when they uh, when they were marketing it, the producer from the first comes to bring you the last. It was Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday. Um, 
And it was Sean Cunningham who said to Adam Marcus, get that damn mask out of my movie. He had had it with the mask. Could you imagine being like so disconnected and out of touch from what the fan base wants? But they did give us the coolest looking, and it might look a little like puppety now, but dude, that shit looked so cool. I love Jason Goes to Hell, dude. I absolutely love it. Um, Adam Marcus had done a commercial. He had never done a movie or anything. He gets thrown into this thing. And yeah, they're making a documentary about it. And I, I for one, cannot wait. It's one of my favorite Jason movies. And that's not because I'm trying to be like a contrarian. It was the first time in my life that Fangoria had ever said anything good about Jason. Fangoria's, what they do is build it up, build it up, you know, market it, promote it, and then rip it to shreds. Like, oh, this movie's terrible. But it was, and the headline in Fangoria was, in praise of Jason at last. And it talked about, and I was an impressionable, like 13 year old kid. Jason Goes to Hell didn't come to my local cinema. I'm 13, I can't get to an hour down. I can't go to New York City on my own, I'm 13. Although I probably would have if I knew where the theater was. Like I'd have done anything to see it. I skipped school the day it came out on DVD. Back then you had to wait a goddamn year for the shit to come out on DVD. I skipped school that day. It was at the door of Alice in Videoland waiting for it to open. And uh, I think all that buildup plays into why it's like such a special movie to me. But um, that documentary, I cannot wait for it, dude. I've got to know more about Jason Goes to Hell. It's all like so interesting to me. Yeah, is there anything else? I think this is probably, probably got to go. I know my wife's called. Jay, I look forward to this all day. Uh, this was really fun for me to talk movies. Yeah, that was a blast, man. Thanks again for uh, taking the time. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow the show on Instagram at Daily Horror Habit and on Twitter at Daily Horror Pod for episode updates. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.